All right, welcome to the virtual roundtable the ins and outs of successful virtual fitness presented by Motion Vibe. Motion Vibe is a dynamic fitness CRM delivering member engagement, fitness management, member club apps, and analytics slash AI solutions that drive revenue and retention for leading fitness clubs. Learn more at motionvibepro.com. Thank you, Motion Vibe, for being a part of the 2021 Club Solutions Connect virtual event. All right, Sheldon, go ahead and take us away. Yeah, thank you so much uh, for having me. Um, so yeah, so welcome to the ins and outs of successful virtual fitness. So today, if you are anyone who is struggling with getting started, remaining relevant, seeing return on investment, or getting to know how you should position your virtual fitness offering, today is a great day for you. We have four very esteemed panelists today in our, in our roundtable where we're going to discuss these things. And hopefully you walk away today feeling very inspired to go back to your teams and really think about ways to position your virtual fitness offering to work for you in this time where we all know it is so, so important. So yes, I'm Sheldon McVie. I am the uh, personal training director at Universal Athletic Club. Today I'll be moderating and I'll now pass it on to our highly regarded guests and have a, an introduction from each of you. And then I'll ask you guys some questions so we can feed the listeners just great nuggets of information that will inspire them. We're going to start with, with Nick Cross. If you can give us an, in, uh, a background on you and, and what you're bringing to the table today for us. Yeah, sure. So I'm the founder of Motion Vibe, and we've been around for uh, about six years now. So we are kind of a newer company. Uh, we've grown to around two and a half thousand clubs and wise associations. And, you know, we're proud. We actually have a 99% retention rate of our clients since our founding. And we start out with group fitness. We have a great group fitness management system. And that kind of segued into really engagement of the entire facility, the entire club. And what our goal is, is to create a way to create meaningful touch points between your members, your services, and your organization. And the best way to do that is through engagement strategy. That's what we do. And with virtual, that is now an extension to what your club can do and offer out to your members. So really, you never have to close again. You can connect with them anywhere, anytime. So thank you. Yeah, very powerful. Thank you, Nick. Uh, now we're going to go up to the Northwest, I'm sure, right? Stacey Alden, did I, did I pronounce that right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Up here in the North, good morning for me. <laughs> um, I've, I'm from the Seattle, Washington area. I oversee a large group fitness team of over 100 instructors, and we have also about 15 private Pilates instructors within that group. And we've taken on this challenging time to develop, I'm a pretty scrappy group fitness manager. So I've put together and pieced together the ability to, to provide virtual for our members. And we're constantly evolving how we can make that better for them and learning as we go. Great, thank you so much, Stacey, for being here. Uh, we'll go to Cecil Hightower and if you give us an introduction to you. Hi, how are you doing? I'm Cecil Hightower, I am um, the uh, owner and partner of Hightower Fitness and Villa 59 uh, Consulting, which is a fitness consulting company here in Dallas, Texas. Um, been a personal trainer for heck, the last 25 years. I ran the training department at the Texas Club, which is in downtown Dallas. Um, also ran the training department at um, the Telos Fitness Center, which is here in Dallas area also, and have now um, started my own training business and consulting firm. Um, I consult in Kansas City, Seattle, actually. I work with Bainbridge Island Fitness um, in, in Bainbridge, Seattle. So um, training is, is what I do. It is kind of is my is definitely my forte as a practicing person and is also someone that goes around and uh, helps other people maximize their operations. 
Thank you, Cecil. All right. And then we will go to Michelle Melkison Granrid. Okay. Perfect. Yes. Welcome, welcome. Uh, give us an introduction. Thank you. Well, I am the general manager for two clubs in Austin, Texas. And we, um, we closed Friday, March 13th. And when we, due to COVID, and um, our primary concern at that point was to figure out how we were going to stay engaged with our members during that time. And we did it through virtual personal training, group X classes, um, workshops, uh, small lessons, all that kind of thing. So we've been virtual and then we've, we reopened in June. And so we've been um, continuing to work virtually, but really um, working on hybrids and a variety of different uh, perspectives, still using virtual. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, thank you. And I'll look forward to even more insight on what you're doing to operate, uh, Michelle. Thank you so much. Um, I'm gonna start with a bit of a, an operational question and I'm gonna pass this over to Stacy. okay? So Stacy, for you, I know you're in a really big club out there in the Northwest, and um, I'd like for you to share with us um, a, a, a real good overview of how you were able to tackle this pandemic, get virtual, what strategy that you had to do for your facility. And if I could just tack on one more thing, what was a big win for you and a big struggle? That's a great question. So as I mentioned earlier, we're still kind of learning as we go, but Really, it started, as for most of us, as I took it upon myself to jump into the club lobby on the day that we shut down and went live on Facebook. And our cameras were turned wrong several times. Sometimes they couldn't hear us. We got blocked because of music hundreds of times, countless times, <laughs> learning all about all of that and then progressively making a more strategic um, strategic plan. So we moved into Zoom. We have a scheduling system that helps allow us to provide links to our members. It's definitely pieced together, as I mentioned earlier, through um, a site we use is called Studio Bookings. Um, and we're hoping to continue to evolve and grow and, and help that it's all integrated together. Um, that's the ultimate goal. But at this point, the biggest struggle has been to help our members understand how to accomplish what they're looking for. And then the wins that I think we've had are not just using virtual as a providing force for the things that we've always offered, but actually thinking outside of the box and playing with, um, for example, on Facebook, we may have stopped streaming classes, but I continued to interview instructors so that we could stay engaged with the members. So I would ask them questions, funny questions about like what their favorite ice cream was. And that way, when we were completely closed and members were trying to figure out what classes they wanted to take, some of them who had never taken classes before, it was a lot of fun to watch them take from instructors they never knew, but knew that they liked the same ice cream as them. <laughs> so seeing that, seeing that community, I think that was a big win for us, but the continuing challenge is making things easiest for our members, making it more of a strategy and learning, 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 learning. Yeah, Stacey, we appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, let me just say something. So, you know, I, I think that we understand, you know, the industry's struggling. We've all been going through a tough time and, you know, it's been scary. And however, I want to just pose this to everyone that never before in some ways, and I hate to use the word exciting, but it is an exciting time where we can now innovate. We can emerge from this stronger, better than ever before, more immersive experiences for our members. That's what Stacy has done. And I, I think it's about complementing what you have, what you've done in the past with now 
extending out and virtually and creating more of these uh, interactions. So that I just want to say that, that I think anyone who's listening, who is concerned, who's worried about the future of fitness, it's never been stronger. Brick and mortar clubs, we're here to stay, right? We're now going to be extending out into the world and the cyberspace. And that's really exciting for everyone. I want everyone just to, to be happy about that in some ways. Yeah, Nick, thank you for sprinkling the positive vibes, man, about now. We all need that. Um, and, and Nick, I might keep you talking just a second here because Stacy mentioned something that's quite powerful. And that is lowering the digital learning curve for many of your, your users, your, your clients, your members, even your staff, right? Because uh, we had, this is accelerated on many of us. From your, in your opinion, as someone who really sits in this world, what are some of your top few tips you have for helping members lower the learning curve for engaging virtual fitness? Man, um, that is the number one biggest challenge I think we know. I even built my own website, motionvibelive.com, to assist members with onboarding, helping our clients onboard members into the virtual world. You know, we have clients, uh, fitness clubs and associations with a whole range of user types, a whole range of member experiences from younger to older. And I, I think what it comes down to, well, what we do as a company, it's about what kind of Stacy said, uh, at first, it was kind of approaching the need of, hey, we need to have offerings out there. What's available? Facebook, Zoom. But ultimately, are those platforms truly made for fitness, truly made for our, to control our content, protect ourselves as clubs, but also engage the member? And that's really kind of where we built Motion Vibe, where it's so seamless, where you log into one app, you click on watch now, boom, there's your live class. There's your virtual recorded class. It's about finding technology solutions that make it one click one login, one system, that's key. At the same time, helpful tips to members, breaking it down on, I know the complexity of approving your camera, approving your audio, those things are difficult for some members. And any way you can create little, you know, kind of simple little web tools, things like that to put online. I know Health Tracks, for example, they have an entire website dedicated to it and not everyone can do it, but finding partners like us or whoever you're working with now, pick the best for your organization. Uh, they should be able to help you with that. And I know it's challenging. It's not a simple answer. And it also depends on your membership, right? So, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you know, when you touched on that little last part, Nick, it's, it's important for people to remember because I think a lot of folks, when, virtual, when, when this all happened, especially if you were someone who wasn't in the virtual space, you know, yet you were scrambling to, to, to try to figure something out instead of sitting back and making the first determination of who we are and not changing that. Because if you start to try to offer something that you don't already offer, then your learning curve is already going to be accentuated because now your membership is having to try to engage into something that they've never done when they walked into your doors in the first place. So remember what you do and what you do well, and then implement that in the virtual site. So when a person engages, at least from that fitness standpoint and that offering, they know the script. They've been there before. It's just instead of me being in front of you talking to you, it's me, you know, behind the camera talking to you or me instructing you in that manner. So you know, in, your, in everybody's haste, I think that's one of the big things. And I know it was one of my big things when it talked about, you know, things that, to remember when, you, when you're looking at, at how to start, look at who you are. Don't forget that part because you're gonna come back to that when this is all over anyway. So, you know, you make sure you outreach that way first and it becomes a lot easier then to create the digital options because there's a ton of them out there. <clears throat> awesome. Yeah, Michelle, I'd love to get your opinion on this as well, especially with, because you said, well, Cecil and Nick said two powerful things. One about, about the demographic, and Nick, you're talking about, and Stacey said as well, community. But Michelle, can you give me your 
uh, perspective as a general manager at your facility about the experience from the member and adapting to this and their learning curve? What are you guys doing there to help manage that? That's a really good question. I took, cause I took notes and I have some things I want to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> um, one thing was we have a, our marketing team is, um, is just very creative and always thinking about how we can better serve our members. And so one of the things they did was they put together actually instructional videos on, because we have, we have a, a fairly diverse membership, but we do have a number of people who maybe are not so tech savvy. And so, you know, there wasn't an, there wasn't an, an in-person option for them. So we did do exactly what Cecil said. We, we really built our schedule around those people that were already highly recognized instructors. I mean, we use, you know, we use the same people. Not everybody came back because not everybody was comfortable being on screen, but for the most part, you know, those classes that were packed when we were open, they were packed online. We had, you know, we had a max of a hundred and that we had some classes early on that, um, you know, they sold out. And so, um, so those instructional videos helped a lot. Our, um, we had people actually manning the phones. So we were also helping people by phone. Um, and we continue to do that as since we've been open to, to walk them through the process of getting in. And um, we, like Stacy, we have a company that handles the sending out the emails. We did all that up by ourselves and we used Zoom from the very beginning. Um, but yeah, that's a, it's a hugely labor intensive process if you do it on your own. And so um, we were able, you know, we, we pivoted on that. So um, again, the, the big key was to keep our members in a, engaged with the people that they were used to being engaged with. You know, we're not huge clubs and we're not part of a chain. So the appeal to, for our clubs is the community that we have and the personalities. And so it was important that those be able to be expressed on video. And, um, you know, those, the bulk of those instructors are still teaching online today. And we're doing both, uh, we're doing in-house live classes, we're doing outside classes, and we're doing live stream. Now, we are not doing, we don't have as large of a live stream as we did when we started out. I mean, we were 100%. So we, we had, you know, over 100 classes on the menu at one point, and we're down to probably, I don't know, 50 classes maybe a week online, um, and then balanced with the rest. So um, that answer your question? That does, that does. And you know, something you said, Michelle, that really stood out to, today, to me was that the amount of work you really put in to ensure that the member feels comfortable being able to use this technology, which brings you to another question. And I, I may, I'm gonna go over to, to Cecil for this, and then Stacey, I'm gonna bounce to you once Cecil's done. See, so this question is, you're, I know you do consulting. If you're, if you're still in the position of saying, I want to make a virtual fitness offering work for our studio or fitness only multi-purpose, there's a lot of work involved with getting this set up, you know? What is your opinion professionally on, do you put cost of labor towards someone who manages the entire process? Is that a, is that a unique staff that drives this? Um, because from a, from a manager's perspective, you know, I've got a lot of stuff to do already. To take that on is tremendous. What's your thought if you were advising a general studio or facility? And, and the reality is, you know, right now, no one, nobody's ad adding any extra labor to their balance sheet. 
I mean, you just you just aren't. I mean, everybody everybody's revenue is strapped. So the I mean, it'd be in a perfect world, Sheldon. Absolutely, you have someone who could manage your social media. You could manage your virtual. That that would be ideal. But the reality of it is, is it's just not. That's just not the case um, in the current market because everybody's seen their revenues dip a little bit that are that have run brick and mortar facilities. So you've got to go to the people that are going to get the revenue and see the revenue hit the bottom line and, and then challenge them to do more. You know, you have to go to your personal training managers and, and they're going to have to actually step up to the plate and do a little bit more than just managing in-house. You're going to have to go to your, in, your internal marketing. And if you have someone that does social media marketing and put that challenge on them to support those avenues so that you do have the consistency, because that's the key, the key to virtual training. I don't care what anybody tells you more than anything else is it has to be consistent. If it ebbs and flows, people are gonna look for other options because the one thing they could do when they walked into the gym is they knew where the equipment was. They knew where they're in. It was, it was something that was controllable. Now you're in an environment that's not, and you're looking for something that, that gives you some consistency and some confidence. So you're gonna have to ask those folks to, to do a little bit more so that you can create a consistent environment. And then I, I personally do believe as we come out of this though, you know, really look, because I think this is here to stay. I think it's here to stay as an adjunct to the brick and mortar club. And I think it's here to, and it's also going to be a competitive piece to the, to our brick and mortar clubs too. And it's here as an additional service offering. So I think as you move forward and we start to see our revenues grow back to where they were before, and we start to see ourselves actually, you know, profiting again, taking a strategic look on how you go about creating a, a, a piece of your organization of your org chart that supports that. And that's what their role is. You know, especially for the clubs that are very much driven by service, not necessarily just by the number of members that you have, it's going to be a place you want to probably uh, allocate some dollars, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much for that, Cecil. That's very powerful. You know, uh, and Stacy, to piggyback off what Cecil's saying there, I know you're a very large facility, a pretty robust, extremely robust group fitness offering that you have to manage. What, what do you do? Stacy, to manage the operational bandwidth to make it um, effective for your members to experience this? Really, um, I mean, I think Cecil said it well because I'm looking for, of course, as much help as I possibly can get, but I am, I am aware of the current situation of what we're, we're in right now. But as he mentioned, it is an expectation. Virtual is, is an expectation that it's no longer something that's extra. It's an expectation. So as, as he mentioned, it has to be something that's either going to improve now or in the future. And right now, how I organize uh, my team is really just staying in touch with them and being able to lean on them a lot. So I've given them all the tools that they need to be successful. And similar to what Michelle was saying, we do virtual only hybrid where the instructor actually goes down to the studio gets ready to teach their class turns the camera on and then there's people behind the camera taking class as well so i'm asking the instructors to do a lot they're teaching basically two classes at one time and then it's being recorded and repurposed so it's it's basically i guess so the strategy would be to, to re reutilize what you're already doing find ways strategies to reuse what you're doing um, in the right ways hopefully you can edit them um, but that's where it becomes a lot of work. The organization of the schedule, which used to be really my only role, was hire people, put them in the right place, create some good programs. And now it's this whole other technological area of expertise that I've had to really learn. The sound, the mic that has to be different depending on virtual versus that hybrid versus in-person only. 
um, the music legalities, that's been a lot of fun. Um, and then the marketing piece as well. So we actually do, I'm, I'm very lucky as a group fitness director to have a marketing team and an IT team, but they also have so much on their plate as well because their teams have gotten smaller and they're doing a lot as well. So I've had to learn what they do, um, put some of that on my plate, but also I, I see it as a strategy that more clubs need to look ahead to the future, make this easier for their members, easier for their instructors, easier for their managers, and think about those three pieces, the tech, the, the support, and um, the organization, the, the strategy of it all. Um, but lean on those instructors, I think, and those providers, those trainers, because they are eager to to work and teach and provide for these people. Yeah, great, Stacy. Yeah, if you have a, if you have a team that you can uh, upskill to really take on this technology at least to the minimum standard you expect to be competent, that's a big win. Um, you know, and Nick, I want to I want to throw this question to you because um, you know we are in a world right now where we're trying to figure out what is the best way for us to be relevant in this. Uh, wave of using technology to drive business. And there are so many different op operational decisions to make. Do you focus primarily on just, hey, let's go focus on digital engagement. Do we really dive deep into live on-demand experiences? Do, do we um, focus primarily on uh, simple booking systems and things of that nature to drive our tech? Now, there are many big players out there right now who are eyeing the industry to engage our potential members and clients um, that are considered big tech companies. How do we as studios, health clubs and so on, know how to position our product, our service that's relevant to our members considering all this going on in the digital space right now? So the first thing we'll say is don't panic. Uh, you know, we always, I think as individuals, especially because we're responsible, either we own our companies or we're, we're responsible for the outcome. We at times of uh, change, we have a tendency to sometimes be reactive, right? And when all of our clients close, what we did as a company is we try to listen to everyone and we built and we worked with them to help them reopen. But, you know, at the end of the day, we all have our core competencies. Every company is great at certain things. Everyone has a, a membership base that has its own unique wants and needs. And no matter what you do, and I'll, I'll address the question in a moment, but I always say, be always be aware of your core competencies be aware of what you're capable of delivering know who your customer base is their ages their interests their wants and it, don't feel pressured to have to compete with that company that sells bikes that now does a lot of stuff online right that everyone's you know concerned about because at the end of the day what michelle said the most powerful thing you have is the connection between your members and your brand and your services that's going to go nowhere they care about your brand. They care about the connection with that specific instructor that inspires them to get on their, uh, to, to log into that class or go to that class every Saturday morning, wake up out of bed. That's going nowhere. So leverage that, utilize your strengths, utilize your instructors that are capable of delivering perhaps some virtual offerings. Know who they are. Um, you know, I, so leverage the powerful connection. I would say, don't also feel pressured by the industry trends of, hey, I have to have live uh, fitness right now. I have to have this right now. It is difficult. I, you know, if I'm going to be honest about it, launching a live uh, fitness solution does require certain personality types, certain instructors that thrive in that, certain outlay of capital, certain inclusion of different systems that Stacy had to kind of string together to launch off the ground. So 
if live streaming isn't going to work for you, that's okay. You could record content, record classes, use the tools available for you. All those are powerful things. So the message I have is know who your base is, leverage your own resources. You don't have to become a virtual business overnight. The learning curve to that is, is, uh, can be daunting at, at first. Learn from other experts. Talk to people like me. Talk to people maybe on this panel. Uh, but just know that uh, everything's going to be okay. And uh, it, just start tiptoeing into it in a way and your members will follow. I guarantee that. I believe that. Yeah. Awesome, Nick. I mean, that. well, that's really good that you mentioned that to take the pressure off to get it perfect today, you know, and really be honest and true to who you are as a company and who your primary target market is. Um, Michelle, um, I want to I want to ask you a question to expand on what Nick just said, which is quite powerful. Um, I know uh, having a look at your facilities, you do quite quite innovative stuff with, with, with in your pods that you have there, and uh, which is really cool. Um, and so you've got this unique demographic who is who may be into that type of experience and doing it virtual as well. Can you tell me what your facility does to integrate either a new member or your current members to want to have that kind of experience if they're not in the, the, the brick and mortar itself, they feel really good about doing it somewhere else. How do you market it and position it to be relevant to your target demographic? Oh, we don't hear you, Michelle. Sorry about that. I put myself on mute. I got somebody dropping weights in the background. Um, we, we really market our virtual offerings right along with everything else that we do. We don't really, um, we do have a virtual only membership, um, but it is, it was geared really towards those people who just do not want to come in the building yet. So we, we did, we did do some pivoting in terms of membership offerings. It gave us a chance. We actually simplified our membership during all of this. So we have a, we have a basic virtual membership. We have a gym access membership that um, doesn't have any classes with it. And then we have a VIP membership that, inc that includes classes, um, unlimited classes. And, and they get, and really all of those memberships have access to our virtual offerings um, because we wanted to be able to make sure that, you know, today they might feel okay doing a class, but tomorrow they might not. So, um, and, and, you know, to, to really, I guess, add on to what Nick said, we're never gonna be able to compete with Apple or Peloton. We're never gonna be that sexy, but they can't compete with my Jeremy, you know, and the way that he interacts with the folks that he knows and, and does that. So, you know, we actually, we, we don't count on this, but we've actually got a couple of virtual members who are out of state and they just found us in the midst of that pandemic. And, mm -hmm. and, and that's been sort of fun, um, but we're really, you know, it's, we see our virtual offering as something that is going to be an additional layer for our members in the, you know, in the big picture so that, you know, if the plumbers come into the house, they can still do their favorite class because they have to stay home and wait, right? Or if they're sick or, um, you know, they're in Maine for the summer or, you know, sometimes like I did my virtual class on Monday from Chicago with my brother and sister is my backup dancers. And, you know, it, it, that lent a little bit of flavor to the class as well. And I think that's, you know, you can, along with not being afraid to try it or to not be perfect, also don't be afraid to not have fun with it, right? To allow it to be unique to whatever the personalities that, 
that you have are. But in terms of marketing, it, it's really, it's, it's part of what we do and we promote it a lot. Um, but it is just another layer of the things that we offer as a service to our members. And we do, we have on-demand as well. And that's again, the on-demand is really just a convenience factor sure. for our members. And, and Michelle, do you, do you guys do anything specifically to like, you know, steer people toward it? Cause sometimes it may be like, Hey, I know it's there, but it, it might go over my head. I may forget, I, I may forget that's an, a perk that I have. Is there anything that you guys do specifically to say, Hey, this is here for you. Give it a try. Or maybe there's an, an incentive that you do to pull people toward it. What do you do to keep it front of mind? That it's there for you. You know, it's another, it's a different, it's another layer with our group exercise offering, right? So when we have a new class, it gets promoted for everything. We do quite a few um, like donation classes every month. We do donation classes that some of them are live, some of them are virtual and they get highlighted. And so people who are taking the class actually offer whatever amount they wanna offer to that specific charity that is you know, dear to somebody's heart um, and usually dear to the instructor's heart. And that's a way to expose those classes in a way that's not just you know, not just advertising, that we're actually doing something good with that as well. And I do hope um, that we can talk a little bit at, about per, virtual personal training, because that's been a big, um, it, that has been a big, big helper in terms of stability for both our staff and for the club operations. Yeah, and that's a great segue, Michelle. Let's go there now, since uh, this is a, a, a hot topic to talk about. Um, and, and uh, if you don't mind, Michelle, I might go to Cecil with this question here mm -hmm. on virtual, virtual personal training. Uh, Cecil, how do you see right now what is happening today positively influence the role of the personal trainer and where they see themselves in the next two years, three years, and five years from now in terms of what, where should I be focusing my energy to be relevant in this world of being a, a coach trainer? You know, it, it's, I think it's, it's, Really just the biggest thing I think is to, to take what you are currently doing and getting people comfortable with how to use that. And then also realizing that the in-person the in-person interaction, it's different than virtual. Be okay with that, but figure out ways that you can still increase value in the virtual engagement so that you can substantiate the price points that you have that you've created and had for as long as you've been doing this. You know, I, I had a lot of people that I've worked with, trainer, trainers that I trained next to that were struggling with maintaining the same price point they had with someone when they were training them in person. And I was like, well, what are you doing to what are you doing to make up for the for the the piece of the pie that's missing, which is them standing right in front of you? And they're like, ah, oh, you know, not not doing a lot. I'm like, well, that's 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 where you're missing the boat. You've got to learn to engage them and empower them so that they understand that the dollars they're spending, you know, ha can, can be backed up against something. One of the perfect things that I, that I personally do and I've done from the very beginning is I do, I use Zoom with all of my virtual workouts and I record every single one of them. And I email those recordings to my, to my clients. So they now have a library of workouts that they can go back to. It keeps them engaged with me. Cause now I don't, you know, even though I might train with somebody once a week when the place was open, I still saw them two or three more times a week um, when they were in the gym. So figuring out ways to substantiate your price point so that you don't lose that, that, that value that you've already built, that's step one. Continuing to create community. It was easy to create community when you were in the gym because everybody was there, right? You could, you could introduce one of your clients to, the, to your next client. Or you could you know, go to someone that's on the bike and talk to them. You can't do that now. 
that. So use your social channels to create a, a communal environment amongst the people that you have. Use some of the technology that's out there. My, my personal favorite, the one that I use the most is Trainerize. You know, it allows me to talk to people even when I don't see them. When they walk into the gym and they pop open Trainerize or when they're at home and they pop open Trainerize, it sends me an alert. So I can, if I've got a minute or two, I can send a quick text message to them saying, hey, good job. You know, I'll look at your stats at the end of your workout. Um, figure out ways to keep the connection consistent. Figure out ways to get them connected to others. Figure out ways to continue to empower them and to make the things that they're doing quantifiable so that it makes sense to them. You know, I think those are going to be the ways that you'll continue to see your training evolve and then also be flexible. That's the other thing that a lot of trainers, they try to just force, you know, if, if all I've been doing is training people one-on-one, -on -one, a lot of people just try to force people into that same offering virtually. Some, some folks might not be willing to do that, may not have the equipment to do that, may not be comfortable doing that. So meet them where they are comfortable. If it's programming, if it's a 30-minute call once a week where you check up on what they've been doing and you guide them in the direction that they need to go in. That's the difference in online training, in my opinion, and one-on-one -on -one personal training. Um, and then get creative. You know, in the club setting, I've, I've advised a few clubs to add easy, transferable equipment to initiation costs. You know, hey, at this initiation level, you get a red, green, and blue band. At this initiation level, you make things that they can take home with them. And the reason we're doing that is we like you to try our online option. So then it, it gives a person that a lot of times, that was a big trouble, that was a big problem with a lot of people early on was they'd love to work out at home, but they, they couldn't get their hands on anything, right? Dumbbells sold out in the New York Minute. What do I work out with? So now I'm just hopping on whatever body weight exercise I can find and utilizing that. Nothing wrong with that, but I want to be able to offer something different and I want to have tools there. So think outside the box on where you can, ways you can empower your individuals so that they have the ability to do it and then you're supporting them consistently. Yes, yes, Cecil, very good. Um, so some of the things you mentioned right now were really great. And I would say, and in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, yeah, an absolutely incredible trainer would do that. A great trainer would do that. An incredible trainer. Now, I'm thinking to myself, how do you manage, let's say you have a team of, say, 10 trainers, and you'd like to see a consistent delivery of virtual personal training in some capacity, one-on-one -on -one group, maybe it's hybrid. Um, what would be some of the first two or three steps you take if you were a director to get the competency to the level you'd like to see it because some trainers are very ready to take on technology and some uh, it's just like, you know, the caveman slapping the keyboard, right? Um, how, do, how do you take those first steps forward? And, and a lot of it is assessing, is gonna be just flat assessing your, your employees and your trainers because some folks just, you know, it's you, you, in a lot of ways, you're, you're like that group X instructor now. You know I mean, you, you have to be good at being in front of people. And it's the same scenario happens when, when you go virtual. You have to be good at being able to communicate without being able to touch and you know, be right there. So you know, a lot of it's gonna be that. Step one is assessing who has the, who has the skill set to do this. Because you, know, you don't wanna throw someone into, a, into an option of doing something that is not necessarily in their warehouse and their strength. That's step one. Step two is look at your system as a, as a whole. Um, you know, I'm a big believer in, and it's been something that I've done, you know, when I was managing training departments in having a uniform system, you know, when a person joins our club, they enter into our training department in a very specific way. And I don't care what trainer you engage with, you still enter that person in through the acquisition um, process in a very specific way. So, you know, it would, it was, it's easy, it would be easier in, in, the, in the environment that I was in because we would just take that uniform process and then turn that into a virtual option. If you don't have that, this is gonna be a time to think about it or else you're gonna get 
five different training products, even though it might say, you know, have your name on the front of it, whatever your fitness center is, it might have your name on the front of it. It's going to be five different products that people will talk about. And I didn't get that when I was with my trainer. And well, they did this with me. And it was a different experience consistently throughout the group. So you want to, you want to take the time to uniform your, your acquisition process now so that there is some consistency. And those would be the two things. So I think from there, then it's about piecing the technology that you need to support it. That becomes, that's the easier part of the process, in my opinion, is once you know what your brand is and you've got your people trained on your brand, then, then, then taking the technology that supports you the best becomes a little bit easier to do if you don't, but if you don't have that question answered, you're going to, you're really going to kind of be throwing darts at a dartboard, in my opinion. Yes, sir. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, and you mentioned something quite important, which was like the technology. Um, and, you know, you know, Nick, I'm going to kind of go to you this with this one here, because this, this one is something that's quite significant. And that is, you know, choosing that, that hardware that is going to be uh, uh, reliable for you to deliver a, a product that you can be proud of for your, your client base. Um, it's a, this is a challenging question to, to get down to the elbow grease. So I'll try to keep it as high level as I can. But let's say your facility who is looking to start with a, a live stream and a moderate, robust on-demand experience, and you want to get the hardware in the facility to really get this done right. What would be some of your recommendations, step one, two, three, or four, whatever you think, to just get the ball rolling, to pick the technology that will get your experience live streamed and on demand both. Yeah, so, you know, I think we're fortunate or luckily we're in a, a scenario where uh, technology has diffused enough in terms of, you know, 5G network connectivity, better Wi-Fi, uh, just lower cost of entry, and also diffusion of technology throughout our consumer base, right? So a lot of our members finally have great Wi-Fi or better Wi-Fi. I don't know if this was five years ago, if we would even be in this position right now. When we first launched Motion Vibe seven years ago, and I was asking members to check in for fitness classes, they thought I was insane. And, uh, you know, so I think that, you know, when it comes down to also is, again, I keep going back to do what you can do, learn, work within a budget. You know, there are great solutions out there. The biggest, you know what, the way I, I'm going to say this is this. Personal computing devices, such as your phone and iPad, you know, they may be great for a virtual personal training session, but they're made for a person. So the feedback I have is go out there, find yourself a camera that's affordable, that can record, that can, that's made for live streaming, that has an outward facing microphone. These range from three, $400. They're not cost prohibitive. Um, you know, devices that are made for us to interact with cannot necessarily record a room keep that in mind. So use some sense to that. Uh, find that equipment. Talk to some. There are experts out there in our industry uh, who do work on AV, who could assist you. You know, it just depends on the commitment you want and depends on the kind of environment. If we're talking about a workshop experience, a personal training experience, some of those devices like your, your iPads, um, you know, lower cost type uh, AV could work fine. But if you want to do things like Stacy and actually have a class that has members in it, you might want to have a mixer where the audio actually goes right into the connection where you're not actually hearing the room, but it's a digital feed. So again, I would say, look at what's available. Pay attention to the fact that if you're recording a class, it's very different from a, a workshop. All those things are important. Um, and really, you know, when we look at technology, let me just say this too, on what Cecil was saying, personal training, you know, you always also want to pay attention to the fact that you have to manage your trainers and your online 
offerings, right? So it is important to have some method of control. Having trainers out there using Zoom and doing different things and not knowing what they're doing may not always be the best thing. So having a standardized program, what Cecil's talking about, standards, uh, performance metrics, those things are important. Look for technology that can give you that. It helps, it'll protect you for liability purposes, having things reported, you need that stuff. So I know I'm a bit all over the place in my answer, but you know, it, the technology is out there, find experts that can help you, but also build it for what your needs are now and maybe what they are in, in a little bit down the road. So think about that. Yeah, thank you, Nick. Uh, you, you, you mentioned a, a, another hot one here and that is the, uh, you know, the, the KPIs, you know, how do, how do you know this is working? How do you know this is right? Um, Stacey, I'm gonna come to you with this one because uh, you know, group exercise uh, is sort of an indirect uh, ROI for many facilities, even though we all know it is one of the most powerful retention tools you'll ever have. How do you all at, at a measure success with your virtual fitness offering to make sure it's working? What are, you, what are your measuring sticks? How do you measure it? How frequently? And, and, and what does that relate to the instructor and ownership? That is such a great question. And the really, the biggest issue with our current system is it makes it very difficult for me, especially with how um, everything's so separate. So ideally you should work with someone, um, like Nick was mentioning, finding someone who can be your resource that you can work with, that can help you with those KPIs. And what you should be looking for is not just who is going to those live classes, um, and that's actually part of the reason why we moved from Facebook. So if anyone is still depending on their virtual live streams from Facebook, you should move away from that as soon as possible because you have no clue who's actually jumping in on those. No, no clue at all. So you're not really gaining any information from that. Um, it still has a place. We still use it for like special, we did for Valentine's Day, I drug my husband to do a couple circuit live stream on Valentine's Day and that was a lot of fun. But it's so for small things like that, for, for more of a marketing ask, from a marketing aspect is better there. But if you are gonna go anywhere, you should do something that's, that you have control over. So that could be Zoom where they sign up or uh, potentially I've seen like Intellivideo or Uscreen, other places where they're actually signing up for the, the class. And then you hopefully have not only the ability to see who's coming to that one class, who's watching your on-demand content, but also who is your complete subscriber base. So who um, I actually was so impressed to hear Michelle say they have a digital only membership because I think that I would highly encourage more gyms to look at how their entire business model looks right now. And then instead of necessarily pivoting, thinking about shifting and completely reorganizing everything um, because as much as I don't oversee personal trainers, I oversee private Pilates instructors and their KPIs have been to have as many sessions as they can, but I would encourage personal trainers to even consider or be pushed to teaching to small groups and teaching to more people at one time, because that's going to bring home way more value for a club to have someone affecting multiple people per session versus just one. And thinking about those smaller bite-sized classes and courses as well, because I loved that Michelle dropped the hammer on Apple and Peloton, just said their name. <laughs> no more secrets but we can't say the word compete with them because that's just the, it's more about and, it's more about people are gonna sprinkle in fitness wherever they can and it's given our consumers so much control. So now they're going to do their Peloton in the morning, but they might jump on your site and see if there's a short yoga class that they could do afterwards. 
Um, and that's something I wanted to mention about those companies, how they, they help basically promote the user to keep using them. And one of those is suggestions. So let's say they do a core class with someone and you have a trainer who's really, really avid in core strength training. Maybe there's a little, um, and we can't do this right now with our current technology, but there are ways to do this where you can have a quick little preview of Tony, the trainer who is an ad expert and he, he's someone you should look into. So you can throw in little trailers, little introductions of people after they do something. Um, that's something I've learned from watching and learning from Peloton and Apple, um, learning about their personalization and customization. Your, our participants have the ability now to not only pick the instructor they love, but the time of the day they can do it. They can pause the actual event while it's happening so they can change their kid's diaper or do something else. Then um, with the connection, seeing it more as a way, virtual as a way to be holistic. So our trainers could do, again, those those introductions, those more like we could do a webinar like this, where they're talking about um, if they have a, a dietitian or nutrition background, going into going into that, um, adding in more, and then finally tracking and game, gamification is what those those companies do really really well. And we have my zones. We've been doing my zone challenges. We've been running um, running challenges. That's where I think also the KPI to answer stay on that question is where you can really use that as a resource too, is you can actually see, like Nick was saying, it's funny how back in the day, we didn't ever like track group fitness numbers or no one had to sign up for a class. And now that's a huge way for you to tell what they're even up to, what they're doing, what they enjoy, because that's been really interesting for me is I have always been someone who is like, okay, here's this, fit, this strength class that we're doing. It has to be this format. You have to teach these exercises. But we've actually been able to get more personal. We've let the instructor kind of create their own experience and it's created a whole new avenue outside of what we used to offer. So as much as I know we need to stay on brand and we need to, to be aware of that, it's also trying to, as I mentioned earlier, move to this new environment that are not only we are in, been thrown into, but our members have been thrown into and our instructors and trainers. And so they have some amazing ideas that can help you do those four things. And, and that gamification has been really fun to see. You can give them rewards for taking four online classes. Um, so you can actually see what they're doing, how long they're going to those classes. Yeah. And that's how you can see that. Let, let me jump in. Um, you know, what I like to say too is, um, you know, certainly it's not about replacing the relationships and the personal connections within your club with technology. Right. I'm a big believer that you don't just wedge technology in, throw an app out there and think that members are going to use it. It's about what great technology can do. What Motion Vibe does is we do build those associations between your members, your services, your offerings, making it fun, gamifying it, having, you know, connecting members to things that they care about most and having that align with your engagement strategy, how you can do that. There are technologies out there in our industry now that can do that. But at the end of the day, we can give you the greatest technology in the world, but if it doesn't match the, the engagement strategy you have for building personal connections, relationships within your organization, that's the thing that you have that some of these other technologies like Apple, they don't have that. And again, I still believe that's the most important thing. Technology should complement your engagement strategy. That's what's successful. So I just want to point that out. So thank you. Mm. Yeah. I, think, I think, Nick, you, you I mean... That's, I, 
I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more with what you just said. And I think that that's that needs to be the place that everybody starts. And, and I'm going to steer it a little bit toward training specifically because that's that's you know that's my you know that's my background. But you know you need to you need to be real comfortable and understand who you are as far as your training department is concerned and your brand is concerned. And then you know use technology to help support that. And then it becomes easy to look at your KPIs. You know, hey, if you're going to be a company, if you're going to be a club that decides to adopt, you know, something like a trainerize or a PT distinction where people are now using that instead of their written programs on their hand. Well, now I know, hey, I need to look at usage as far as that particular app is concerned. How often are my people logging in? Are they consistent with their updating? That lets me know if they're engaged. You know, I need to look at also how I bring a person in. Am I going to try to take, you know, the assessment process that I may have when someone comes in and, and create a virtual option with that? Well, you know, what Compare that against what that looked like when someone was coming in in front of your trainers and then learn to massage that so that it's something that can actually be um, something that can be done consistently because like Stacy said beforehand and like Michelle's already had the, the experience, those two things can allow you to, to actually start to have members and clients that no longer even walk into your facility. You know, you don't need to have a, a brick and mortar place where someone's at because they, they buy into your brand and all your technology is there to support your brand. And then you're looking at those technologies and how they're supporting your success. Um, you know, those are some of the big KPIs that I look at. Usage probably more than anything else because the one thing that we definitely lose in the virtual space compared to in compared to the, the brick and mortar is accountability. Even if you're not, even if it's not the day we train, I know you're supposed to come in on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday because I've given you a program to do that. If I don't see you walk in on Wednesday or I don't see you walk in on Friday. I can give you, I can shoot you a text message and say something. Accountability is one of the big things that we've lost besides just empowering people. And, and the, the technology that's out there can really help us do those two things, which keeps people engaged. And that's what we're ultimately trying to do is, is meander through this virtual space that we've not been real comfortable in going, how do I continue to keep people engaged? I can keep them engaged if I can talk to them every day. But how do I do it when I might necessarily can't do that? And I think those are, those, those are where a lot of the KPIs that I have are driven toward is engagement and usage because those are the areas that I know if I got those, and I, I, at least I'm ha I have some consistent interaction. You know, I just want to add one last thing on the training piece of it before we go into the next section. And that is we have enough data now with our trainers that we saw the trainers who jumped on the virtual bandwagon right off the bat. We, we went through a summer and summers are usually much lighter. In both of our clubs, we have a fairly high end membership and they're used to doing a lot of training but when things are good they travel and they go away our trainers this past summer who were virtual training and they got it you know they got everybody in the in the in the game right off the bat those people trained all through the summer and they actually made more money this summer than they did last summer because they saw their clients more consistently than they do typically and so that's you know, that's a win all the way around. And that's where I think we'll really see it continue to, you know, to stay in. It's a mind shift change too. I mean, cause you know, back in the day and, and I, it's, it, you know, it's funny to say, cause I have, I have a story and it's the, it's the God's honest truth. I have a lady I trained three times a week and I was training her virtually and her daughter had a little girl down in Austin. Um, and she was going to go down to Austin to see her granddaughter for the first time. And the first thing in my head as a trainer for 25 years was, well, she's leaving on Thursday. Maybe we can meet on Wednesday. That was what I was thinking. I didn't even think to go. And she said, it. she goes, well, I'll just take my bands and my dumbbells with me. And we could, and I was like, yeah, you know what, Laura, you're absolutely right. That's exact. But it was, 
it was a shift that even, I mean, I've been doing this for as long as I have. And, and granted, virtual is new to everybody, but it was, that was the biggest eye opener. At that moment in time, I just sat there and went, oh, I, 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 did, I haven't even considered the potential. And, and you, you hit the nail on the head. It really, it's there. People just grab it and realize how far it can take us going forward because they're going to come back. They're going to come back to the gym. You have some folks that don't, but the, the options for outreach is so much bigger now um, that, that it's, it is exciting. Like you kind of pointed to Nick at the very beginning. Yeah. And you know, we, so yeah, we are moving into this space now where vaccines are starting to distribute. People are considering, you know, is it time to get back into the brick and mortar? Um, and, and then we as fitness professionals are now considering how do we now position what the future might look like, which is very hard to project and predict. It could change. We just don't know. However, I'd love to ask you all um, the same question across the board. And uh, Nick, I'm gonna start with you first. If you could just give us your opinion on the next six months to year to maybe, and then five years, where do you really see maybe the one or two biggest impactful things to consider as an operator in terms of technology and things to really focus on? Yeah, I think it's the mindset that interaction can occur anywhere, anytime. That the medium of connectivity, of interacting with each other, does no no longer has to apply to just within your walls. That your services can now be extended both in person and anywhere. And that in itself should kind of give people a, a mindset shift in the fact that, one, this is more than likely here to stay, and it is, because we are now a digital world and our interactions, how people meet. People date online, they, they don't meet for a period of time. So why can we not deliver services anywhere, anytime? Which also is powerful because that means that your business more than ever has more potential, more limitless potential. So just keep that in mind. I think it's just that mindset shift that interaction occur anywhere, anytime, your services paired correctly in person, online, connect, connected together can be a powerful thing. Mm, great, thank you so much, Nick. Stacy. Uh, I'd love to get your, your thoughts on this as well, especially from someone who manages such a tremendous you know, group fitness department. What are the things someone in, in your position should really be thinking about in the future just to position themselves with, with technology and how to utilize it? Uh, thank you. And really quick, thank you for this opportunity. I've appreciated being, being on this with all these amazing people, but I couldn't help but love the story that Cecil shared with that just like major realization, which is something that I've experienced so many times during this as I'm like, why didn't we do this before? And what are we like? So you can't be disappointed in what you haven't been doing. And apologies for the sun. Suddenly in the Northwest, we have sun today. So I'm <laughs> like being blown out over here. But next is um, really paying attention that to that shift, that, that, that mindset change and being aware of it, listening to your, your current members, and then doing your best to work with someone in the industry, whether it's for however you're doing your virtual offerings or other, I think the collaboration has been great this past through this time, but work with people that you, whether it's in the fitness industry or outside of the fitness industry, who can think differently and who can see things differently than you, because we have to continue to, to think like that if we're ever going to even consider the future. And then my next thought that may be a bit controversial, but the rise of the independent instructor and trainer is 
something that we really need to pay attention to as club operators um, and to do our best to set the expectation of what they can and cannot do on their own and then also work with them and see how they can what can they provide that maybe we can't and what can we use them for for what we can do so it's definitely going to be i see that in the future more recently than ever this year is we're going to really have to pay attention to that um, and just keep increasing the autonomy and the independence of your consumers empower them and help them feel more confident in the future is what we're going to need to do awesome yeah thank you so much stacy very good all right, Cecil, uh, let's get your, your thoughts on this as well. Um, what, what should we be thinking about in the future uh, with technology and fitness, some nuggets you could have to share? Um, I think, I think the, the big thing is, and I'll kind of come at it from, you know, Nick kind of touched on the, on the technology side and Stacy talked a little bit about the consumer side. I think from the operational side of things, um, trainers and operators of clubs need to realize that it's, this is probably not going away. So really be introspective on your products. You know, what services do I currently have and how do I go about continuing to make them efficient, consistent products? Um, and how do I go about choosing the, the digital options that are gonna support that? Look at your group and see what talents you have that you may be able to expand your options and services also that you don't currently have. Um, and then lastly, the big thing I would do is realize that people aren't just gonna walk into your facility and be really good at delivering a virtual service. So change your onboarding, change how you train and integrate people into your particular um, uh, company and in your particular organization so that they understand the expectation. This is how we deliver, just like we do with everything else. This is how we deliver this service. This is what's going to be required of you to deliver this service for us. So that as you do begin to build, you begin to build a, a service that is consistent, that has uniformity, um, and that you can tell your members and clients and they can, they can rely on that being, you know, the, the service and product that they're going to have. Those would be the big starts that I would tell everybody because it's going to jump from there. Yeah, great. Yeah, great. So love that. The, uh, uh, the integration right from the beginning. Fantastic. And Michelle, um, I'd love to get your thoughts too. Saving the best for last, of course. Oh, <laughs> um, well, I, I think the one of the big things is we want to, yes, we need to integrate them. We also wanna make sure that they know we're supporting them and making it easy for them to provide these services, right? If it's too complicated, then yeah, they're gonna be more likely to go on their own because that's a big, that is, I know there are a number of clubs have lost trainers because they figured they could go out and do it on their own. And that may be true, but if we have a marketing department that supports our staff, if we pay them according, you know, if we can do hybrid and we got people, both online as well as live, we can justify paying our instructors more and really making it worthwhile for them to show up. So, you know, it's it's getting them in line, but also making sure that they know that we're here to support them and make their job easier and make them more successful um, so that they don't want to go somewhere else, right? So some of that we're not ever going to be able to, um, to avoid. But, I, but it, virtual is here and we've been talking about it for 10 or 12 years and all it took was a pandemic in 10 days for us to make it happen. <laughs> a pandemic in 10 days, right. That's pretty powerful, yeah. Well, um, I will say this, I hope anyone who's listening to this, uh, your pens were busy, your tablets were clicking away, your computers, because you guys have such great insights uh, on this and we could talk about this all day. There's so much to unravel with this topic. Um, 
And we had a lot of great things we talked about. I mean, the technology is here to stay. It is going to be part of our future. Continue to embrace it. Community is key. That is the way that we stay relevant with some of the other big players eyeing this industry is to enhance the people they already know, love, and trust. I heard that from everybody. Love it. Trusting your brand, being true to who you are, and using the technology to complement that uh, was a great message. Getting that 1% uh, better every day. And the big one was that the mindset, just having the mindset uh, that this is something that you can be great at, that you're willing to embrace because that will bleed out into your staff and into your, your member base. Um, I can't thank the four of you guys enough for this uh, amazing uh, content insight. Thank you so much. It's my honor to, to ask you these questions. And um, yeah, we look forward to uh, the Q&A to come uh, for this um, roundtable. Guys, thank you so much. Yeah, yes, thank you guys so much. That was amazing. I mean, attendees, like Sheldon said, go ahead and join us in the live Q&A tab to ask all of your questions to our roundtable panelists.